Welcome back to another episode of Out of Office, presented by Outsider. My name is Lindsay Nance, and every month we're giving listeners an inside look at celebrities' real lives. This month I spent time with Travis Austin, who's an artist and designer with a store downtown called Travis Austin Customs. We talked about how he overcame trials to reach his goals and where his passion for the industry came from. Very excited about today's Out of Office. We're about to go meet Travis Austin to talk about the absolute fashion empire that he's built. It focuses on making people feel confident. So we're gonna get a day in the life with Travis. Travis, before we get into your story, we need to explain why we're in your kitchen right now. So just recently found out that you love to cook yeah. and you go to the farmer's market almost every morning. Yeah. When did this start and why is it meaningful to you? Um, it's always been there uh, before before I was a fashion designer and artist, I was a restaurant developer, which no one really knows. And uh, bartended, you know, from the day I turned 14, I did it kind of illegally at a, at a mom and pop Italian restaurant back in Detroit. And I did that for four years. They, they started paying me when I turned 18 and I fell in love with the restaurant business, fell in love with food. And that's probably like, besides being an athlete, my first form of artistry was building plates or cocktails. It really is another form of being creative and yeah, being an artist. Absolutely. Now going back to your history, you briefly mentioned it, but growing up in Detroit, mm -hmm. being an athlete was your identity. Yeah. You dedicated your entire life to baseball uh, mm -hmm. and then took a kind of sudden turn and got into the restaurant scene mm -hmm. and the nightlife scene. Yeah. Why in the world did you do that? I have no idea. <laughs> um, baseball is easy for me. Uh, my father played college baseball, my uncle played college baseball, uh, my cousin who is basically raised my older brother, my hero, um, which is the reason I wore number 19, he passed away when I was young, um, but I wanted to be like him. Um, but also I'm the most competitive human on the face of the planet, so I had, to, I had to be better than my dad really. My only goal in life was to be better than him and play D1. So. That's what I did. And from the age of 14 on, it was 350 days a year in the gym um, or on the dirt and becoming better and you know serving that part of me. I made a Team USA team uh, when I was 14 years old. I uh, started traveling to Puerto Rico and, and playing you know a lot more and, and with a different caliber of, of player than we had in Metro Detroit. That you know, really just became my life. And it was my life through school and all the while I was bartending and, and falling in love with communication and you know relating to different types of people and seeing the world from that side of the bar and you know although it wasn't on the dirt I was able to converse and convey and communicate and romanticize which is are all things that I love to do within communication and I was able to compete at something almost in my head the same way I did on the dirt so I was the same athlete behind the bar that I was you know on the diamond Leaving baseball, you know, I was lucky I had that to kind of convert to. Uh, for every athlete, that's incredibly difficult to make that transition. You lose the only thing you knew to compete at, you know, your whole life. And I was very lucky I had the restaurant industry and the nightlife and, and bartending and all that. Um, and then later in life, finding what, what we do now. Mm -hmm. And what was really cool to me is how this has all come full circle. Your uncles were involved in the rock and roll scene yeah. in Detroit. So yeah. it was kind of in your bloodline. Yeah. But how did your family react and your friends when you're initially like, hey, yeah. I, I don't want to play baseball anymore? My uncles made up the band Heresy. They're, you know, some of their best friends when they were growing up were the Misfits. 
And, you know, at my birthday parties when I was a kid, you know, my Aunt Missy had a mohawk and my four <laughs> uncles had head to toe tattoos and billy goat beards and still toed boots. You know, it was a juxtapose, you know, all throughout my life. You know, I had people who probably thought I was stupid, you know, because I was the one that was pretty unstructured, but also the one that, you know, my friends live vicariously through. Um, but my, you know, my family, they weren't surprised at all. You know, this is, this is kind of how we grew up in a, in a mixed, you know, mixed bad. Um, but I'm, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm, I'm thankful for every experience I've had, every city I've lived in, every country I've, you know, I've been a part of. Um, it's really, it, it's been a beautiful way. But talking about the nightlife scene, how crucial were those relationships that you formed in that it period? Was everything. I mean, the only reason I we are here right now, the only reason I became a fashion designer is because of the nightlife industry. You know, my first clients were GEZ and Tiesto and Seven Lions and Alinium and Borges and Hotkinson Nightclub Group. These people trusted me in when Omnia opened in San Diego, which is a Hotkinson property. They knew I was making clothes and, and they had the hunch to bring me in to make custom pieces for these celebrities that were coming in. And just like that, like I'll, I will never forget it. I put this jacket on Tiesto on stage's 40th birthday party and it clicked. And I go back to being a competitor on the baseball field, competing the same way um, and romanticizing my conversations and being a chameleon behind the bar everything I learned in school, communications and marketing, everything, and then building and shifting culture, which is everything we try to do now at Travis Austin. We don't sell product, we sell culture. So in a split second, on stage at Omnia, next to Tiesto with something that I built for him, everything melted into one. And I knew that I could create custom product, couture custom product, and shift culture all at the same time while stealing a company because I knew I was smart enough to do so. People that didn't grow up with that foundation of learning to communicate and and learning to make people trust you in a genuine way, yeah. how do you instill that into your staff? Because I know you handpick these people that work with you. Yeah, yeah. and it's the, hardest, it's the hardest thing to do, you know? And to me, the quickest way to help instill that into others is clothing. When you wake up every morning, you have just a few decisions that you can make surely for yourself with no influence or anybody telling you what to do and putting the clothes on your back is one of those decisions. So jackets, you know, curated vintage, uh, custom flannels, custom denim and hats are a way for me to help instill that confidence in others. And then you add the custom aspect where we get to know you things that you know important to you, lucky numbers, family, lyrics, anything like that, and we put it into the jacket or hats, just like the ones on the back of your shirt. We can give people their stories, so now we're giving them an excuse, a really easy passage and, and route to share their stories when maybe they, they wouldn't have been comfortable doing that. But our product does that for these people, um, and it, I pick my people on my teams the same way. You know, if we instill that into them and we we communicate effectively what we are achieving for these people, I mean, it's it's easy at that point. These people want they want to be a part of that. They want to help instill that to others, and they'll they'll work hard. And what I really like about your company is what you 
basically just said, everything is one of one. And I don't want to call it like a, a therapy session when someone goes in. There. It is. No, I'm, like I'm, a, I'm a doctor at this point. You know, I've done over 4,000 consults in my career over the past four or five years. And it, I mean, I've had people cry. Oh, yeah. I've had people come to me, you know, the week after their father died. And, and you know, they brought like, you know, flannels or neckties or jeans that we cut up and, and reuse into these pieces. I've heard it all. It's something we all hold very near and dear to us. It's a privilege for us to be able to, to, to be that to those people and then provide a product that's hopefully to pass down and be generational. The idea is that we put your stories in so that you can tell your children your, or your nieces and nephews about your stories and then they can relive those and then all of a sudden you have generational stories about your, your grandparents or so on and so forth being told after you're gone and I'm very much that way with my family and, and my stories uh, where I come from so we try to instill that into everyone else and we do it with with these pieces so let's go to the studio and I'll show you some of the stuff that we're working on now I like the boots thank you they get repainted every day I, I was gonna ask him like do you just keep the paint on your clothing yeah there's there's paint on everything now <laughs> I don't really try to keep it off whether I'm creating you know, whether I'm going into a, an athlete's or an artist's home and creating 20 pieces for the full estate, yeah. or whether I'm doing a, a freestyle painting for the showroom, um, or making a leather jacket for a client, it all happens here. Really? Um, everything is painted right here. Everything is, is conceived in the mind uh, here. It's, it's really my happy place. Uh -huh. It's the first time I've ever had an art studio uh, in my home. Yeah. Um, that I could just fully escape in. So I'll be in here hours a day and I try to make it as as comfortable as possible. It's a little bit cleaner today than, than it usually is. Thank you. But everything happens here, yeah. And again, talking about your start, you did know how to draw. You taught yourself everything. Yeah. You even went to Joanne's classes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You That's, did your homework. I yeah, did. yeah. That is insane. Yeah, I, uh, I looked kind of like this and there was like 10, 70 year old ladies who I think they thought I was, there's their sewing machines but they were all my best friends by the oh, time I, I left were. yeah yeah we got to see the store now let's go <laughs> so for those who don't know we're on fifth and broadway right fifth now. and broadway yeah um, fairly new location for you i think yeah a year and a half i think fifth and broadway has been here yeah uh but we opened december 16th okay. of this past year so um it's been really amazing um, you know, seven, eight months uh -huh. now. Life-changing, really. Is this surreal for you ever? Watching yeah, uh, every, every day, yeah. Pretty proud of it. Let's go in. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you. Oh, wow. Hi, y'all. But this is, I mean, the whole, we, we built this to solve a couple, a couple problems, um, but really made our brand a lot more accessible um, for everybody, uh, you know, Travis Austin, the brand got so popular with hats after a couple of years that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And the small team that I had, we couldn't do it. And everything was one by one by one. So it got to the point where, you know, we would be four or five, 600 orders deep and there was two people making hats. So a couple things happened, you know, just like, got, like we got hit by the tornado, we got hit by the bomb. These orders kept, you know, COVID, all then all these orders started piling up, kept piling up. And I just said, screw it. You know, like the next one has to, I'm done. Full send, yep. all in. I came from the mud, I'll go back. You know, we, you know, it was that mentality. So we built this 
and then I built the hat bar, which is my bridge to bringing this to as many people as possible, but in a really organic way. So, same concept, same fabric, same technique, same trust that, that I've earned with everybody, but now you get to have the experience yourself. We call it Build-A-Bear for Badasses. So, you start with, you know, looking at all of our hats and really seeing, you know, kind of what color fits you, what shape fits you, everything like that. Welcome to the Travis Austin Outlaws Never Die cocktail bar. Cocktail bar every weekend. It's always free. It's always on my tab. Um, and you can come in and drink some Herman Marshall whiskey. So I'm almost as excited about this as I am about the hat. Yeah, yeah, most people are. How do we keep up with your future projects and what's going on? Instagram, really. Um, I haven't really ventured off to all the other ones yet. But Travis Austin Customs. And if you're in Nashville, please come in here and hang out with the team, myself. We'll have a drink. That's it. Awesome. Thank Cheers. you so much, Travis. Thanks. Thanks again for listening, and make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you liked the episode, drop a comment and leave a review.